0: So at the moment, we are in between seasons here on the show. But while we're waiting for our next official season to begin, we thought that this would be a great time to pull some of our favorite episodes out of the Girls' Night Archive. This is a great time to catch up on episodes you might've missed throughout the years or to listen to old favorites all over again. Our guests are incredible. I know that I learn something new each time I listen to an episode, even if it's one I've heard a million times before. Okay, now without any further ado, let's dive into the episode. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash friendship. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing.
1: Stephanie Mae Wilson, girl, welcome to Heart of Dating. (laughs) Oh, thank you for
0: having me, friend. I'm so glad to be back.
1: I'm so glad you're back too. And I just have loved, I love this podcast for how it connects people. Like ever since we first connected, what was it, almost a year and a half ago, I think like we've just become good friends and that's
0: really because of podcasting. It's so cool. (laughs) I, I said a phrase earlier this week that just kind of popped out of my mouth, but I said we were friends at first sight. And I was like, why is that not? a thing. Like it is a thing. Okay? I yes. feel like we were friends at first sight yes. or first podcast and <laughs> yes. I'm so grateful for that.
1: First sight over Skype because I think we had like a really long Skype date before our ever first podcast interviews together. <laughs>
0: We did, yes. Friends up for Skype. Yes, I
1: love it. Well, I'm just so grateful for your heart, Steph, for all that you do. And you pour out just your heart and soul and encouragement into women and in specifically the space of dating. And I think God gifts, like we've talked about this a lot, but it's so cool that we can be, you know, in different parts of the country and serving women and men, but also like serving people together and jointly like kind of come together and empower one another. And I think it's so awesome that we get to do that like it's such a treat.
0: (laughs) I love it. I love it.
1: So, okay. You really have made it your mission to really help women thrive in their single and dating lives. And you do that in so many ways. And you've also been married for five years now. So why is this entire topic just so important to your heart? Why have you made it your mission to serve women in this way?
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, my, my single life wasn't always smooth sailing. Uh, To be honest, I had so many hard moments when I was single and dating so many moments when I got it wrong or got rejected or wondered like, why hasn't this happened for me yet? Mm. Um, There were long seasons where I, I hate to admit this. I really idolized marriage. Um, And because of that, I looked at my single life, like something I had to endure before I got to the good part of my life. Mm -hmm. I just was wishing it away as fast as possible. Uh. Um, Thankfully, (laughs) right? I know. So thankfully, some really wonderful mentors intervened in my life. um, And they helped me see that singleness is a gift, like Mm. actually a gift, not something to endure. And it's a time uh, to use and savor and invest in. Mm. And, you know, I don't always take the good advice I'm given. (laughs) I wish I did, (laughs) but I don't. But I did take their advice and I was able to transform that season of my life, the time when I was single into a time of wild and wonderful growth. It Mm -hmm. was a chapter of investing in myself and in my relationships and in my friendships and in my relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Um, they helped me like both embrace my desire for marriage, but also really prepare for marriage, but Mm -hmm. do all of that without sacrificing the season that I was currently in do kind of all of that together. And it really totally changed my life. Mm -hmm. Um, not only did I love that season and I really did, like if I could go back and end it sooner, if I could go back and have my husband show up in my life, you know, a year earlier or six months earlier, or, you know, five years earlier, I wouldn't do it. Like I would not trade a minute of that season, but not only that, not only was it just one of my favorite times of my life, but loving my single life and really embracing it Mm. is how I was in the right place at the right time to meet my husband. They were the things that caught his eye. Um, I think that, you know, someone who's really living their life to the full, that's like the most attractive thing we could find Uh, in someone. Um, But we forget about that. uh Um, And then the same things, you know, now that we've been married for five years, which is crazy, (laughs) I've gotten to see that those decisions and investments we made in our single lives they've paid off so much in our marriage and have made our marriage so much sweeter and easier and more fun um, and more life-giving. And truly like the things that we, both my husband, Carl and I did while we were single transformed our marriage before we even got to it. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I love talking about this. You know, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times when people get married, everyone expects them to start talking about marriage. But when I think about like, what is my best marriage advice? I always come back to what we did when we were single. I think it's a lot easier to kind of fix something before it's broken than (laughs) to go back and, you know, kind of fill holes. And I I think that sometimes it's like, if we can just make a really good decision about who we marry, and if we could really like, you know, make that decision when we feel loved by Mm -hmm. ourselves and by God, and when we have friends and mentors and support in our corner, and when we know who we are and... Um, when we're living our lives to the full, when we're not making this decision out of like lack or desperation, Mm. you know, we make a better decision and everything else from there is so much easier. So Mm. if I can talk to people before they get married, I'm like, this is going to make your marriage so much easier. I'd rather talk to you before you get there than try to fix some things after.
1: It's so good. And like, I've had friends of mine kind of give similar advice saying like, Kate, I love that you're still single. And I love that you're working through this now because even though I love my husband, like I wish I did some of this stuff. In my singleness. Like, because when you don't, like, it's not impossible to fix things in marriage, of course, but. Sometimes it's just so much harder. Like it's just like, Oh, I could have actually, this is like kind of my issue and I could have worked on that or figured those things out in my singleness. And I truly believe in tandem with you, Steph, that like if we have healthier dating, we can fix more of the problem of marriages failing and the epidemic of divorce. It's incredibly high, even within the church. And so it's like, we don't just need better tools at marriage. We need better tools in our single years and in our dating lives that will help us go into healthier marriages and help us like make better decisions on who we actually want to be with.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. and I, I love that you said that it's our issue because I think a lot of times mm. when people are looking for marriage advice, it's like, how do you talk to each other as a married couple? And now listen, that is so important. And yeah. there are ways of communicating that are effective and ways that we sometimes communicate that just like aren't great. <laughs> so those things are important, but you know, uh, uh, gosh, let me see two years ago, I went back to counseling. I've been in counseling at several different points in my life. But I went back to counseling because I was noticing some things in my relationships that were kind of hard. And it was like popping up in my work, in my friendships, and in my relationship with my husband. And I was noticing that those things, it didn't have anything to do with those relationships. Mm. It was some deep insecurity that I really just didn't know was there in myself. Like some, some things that I just needed to kind of work out. And Mm. so as I walked into therapy for that first day, I remember being so nervous and I walked out feeling super raw, but I had this just feeling that like, this is the best thing. Working on this in me is the best thing that I can do for all of my relationships, including Mm. my marriage. And it's working on me. So the healthier we go into our marriages you're right, the better decision we can make because we're not making kind of a broken decision out of brokenness. Mm -hmm. But also a lot of times the issues that come up in marriage are personal issues with each person that sort of bump into the other one. So right. the, like the healthier we can go in, the healthier our marriage is going to be.
1: Exactly. Oh my gosh. I couldn't agree with you more. Now, oftentimes when we talk about singleness in marriage, especially in the church, I know you talk about that. we it's like, it's hard, we tend to swing in two destructive directions. So would you just like detail out and paint a picture for what those two directions are that we typically go towards?
0: Yes. Okay. So the first one is one I think we're all really aware of. We idolize it. We idolize marriage. We act like it is. I heard someone say yesterday, and I've heard so many people say this. The, The person was saying, she's like, I feel like I'm not treated like an adult because I'm not married. Whereas Mm -hmm. people who are 10 years younger than me and are married are treated like more of an adult than I am. And that's crazy. It's like marriage is this rite of passage into adulthood. We act like (sighs) marriage is reserved for good Christians. So like if you just got your heart right with God, then he'd finally give you a husband. And it's just like, there's so many damaging um, messages that come from (laughs) making it this like end all be all. And I think that one of the damaging things that can come from it is that we, well, one, we end up alienating wonderful people in our church communities Mm -hmm. and just our community at large. Like married people are not better than single people at all uh, by any stretch. But we we act like that sometimes and it's crazy and it's heartbreaking and it's really isolating and alienating. Mm -hmm. But another thing that can happen if we're acting like marriage is the goal, then we're going to run towards marriage faster than we maybe should, mm. which means we're getting married to people we maybe shouldn't have married. Yeah. Like if we had thought about it, if we'd been in a better state, like frame of mind, if we'd gone a little slower, if we'd had more people speaking into our lives, we wouldn't have married this person. Mm. And exactly what you're talking about, the divorce rate so high, unhappy marriages. Like, I think that when we're acting like this is the goal, we run towards that goal. Mm. Sometimes without taking enough time to think through it. That's so true. The other thing that I think can happen that's really damaging because of this is when we act like marriage is the best thing ever, Mm. it sets up marriage for a fall. (laughs) There's this restaurant in Nashville that I swear is my favorite. And I was telling my husband about it and I was like, listen, this is my favorite restaurant in Nashville. I can't wait to take you there. You're gonna love it. Like you're gonna freak out. So we go and he likes it. But he didn't love it, <laughs> and there's a solid chance it's because I like set it up so high. You know, I I told uh, him it was my yep. favorite restaurant ever, and I think that we do that with marriage. When when we talk about marriage, like it's the best thing that could ever happen to a person, we're setting it up for a fall because it's not the best thing. It's it's a relationship. It is not a cure to insecurity. It is not yep. a happiness lifetime guarantee. <laughs> it is not a solution to our financial problems. It's not a it's not a solution. It's a relationship. And so I think that, you know, one of the most heartbreaking things is talking to women who have gotten married and are really disappointed by it. And I think the times that marriage is disappointing, it's not disappointing in and of itself, but I think the times when marriage feels disappointing is when we were expecting it to be more than it was ever supposed to be. Mm. And so that's one of the things that I think is really, you know, one of the many things that's really tough about us idolizing it. But then the other swing is we tell people that they shouldn't care about marriage, Mm. that like they should, so sometimes, I think we do it from a like, it depends on who you're talking to. I think that kind of sometimes in the world, it's like, oh, your desire or your goal is to be married. Like dream bigger, or that's not very feminist of you, or that's, <laughs> you should want to make a difference in the world, or you should want to have bigger goals than that or something. There's some shaming messages on that yeah, side. Yeah, that's true. But also, I saw a comment on on Instagram recently, a girl was saying, you know, I really want to be married. It's a real desire in my heart. And someone commented below them and said, uh, you should only be desiring Christ. Like, um, you know, mm. you shouldn't care about this. So there's like kind of two messages. Yeah. It's like you either don't have big enough dreams or or you're a bad Christian if you really care about marriage. Right. And I think that's so crazy true. too because, you know, when God, this was a total revelation to me, Kate. And I mean, you probably, real, yeah. everyone else probably realized this, but I think for the longest time, I really battled with feeling like I shouldn't want to be married. Like mm. I should not want this as much as I do. And part of it was I felt like I was being kind of a bad Christian. Like I, you know, I should only want God. I shouldn't need or want anything else. Mm-hmm. Well, so I'm reading Genesis and I noticed for the first time that God said it wasn't good for man to be alone. And he created Eve before the fall. Yeah. Now, like, obviously we know that because, you know, Eve took the fruit, whatever, she's part of that story. So we know that the fall happened after Eve was around. But I think I always thought that like, marriage and our connection to other people was sort of a a temporary fix on earth because we don't get to be in right relationship with god because of the fall mm-hmm. so like i'm going to give you guys each other but it's it's like definitely plan b because plan a is just for you to only have <laughs> Mm. I really thought that for the longest time. And I think we act like that sometimes. Yeah. Too. Um, and it was just so revolutionary for me to notice that God said it wasn't good for man to be alone. And he made Eve before the fall. Like God is yeah. still in the garden with them and everything is perfect. But God still said that they needed each other. And so it is not only okay, but it's good for us to want to be in relationships so um, with each other. And I think that when we shame people for wanting to be in this relationship, we cause them to hide this part of themselves, mm. which makes it way harder to date if you're pretending that you don't care about it. Yeah, You're not able to really prepare yourself for marriage because you're too busy telling everybody else and yourself that you don't care about it. Yep. Sometimes it separates us from God because we feel like maybe like we're trying to sort of fake God out. Like people say it happens when you're least expecting it. and so, mm. Or like, maybe God won't give it to me because I want it too bad or something. I don't know if any of this is resonating. No, but it totally does. We're like, we're like, God, I don't really care about this while peeking our eye open to see if he believed us enough <laughs> to give us a husband or a wife or something. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. I, that's the other shaming message. And I think, you know, I, I am a woman who has big dreams for her life. Like yeah. I am, I'm a huge dreamer. I have like all kinds of ambitions for my life and mm-hmm. for the impact I want to make in the world. And also I really you know, a huge goal of mine was to get married. And it's cool because the, it was actually the day that I met my husband, but I didn't yeah. know that I, I couldn't even remember his name. I didn't know that I'd met anybody special. <laughs> um, I had just started this new job and my boss gave us a questionnaire. And it was like, you know, it, part of it was like, what's your email address? And then part of it was, what's just to get to know you? Because I was new on the team. Mm. And one of the questions he asked was, what are like the three biggest goals for your life? Mm. And I don't know why I was so honest on this, like, questionnaire that I, for a job, I (laughs) just, like, I think my top, I don't remember what my third one was, but my top two were to write a book and to meet and marry my best friends. And I, and like, I don't remember which one was number one, which one was number two, but I think that that's a really beautiful thing. Like we're allowed to want to write a book or do whatever crazy thing is, whatever the crazy thing is we want to do. Mm -hmm. And and also, really want to share our lives with someone. And yeah. um, I think we just get it. It's really damaging when we swing too hard in one direction or another.
1: Yeah, I agree. I see, I love how like it's so broken down so clearly because that is exactly it. We either idolize it or we pretend like it's not a big deal. I see the second one happen a lot. I've lived in cities before, I live in LA, I lived in New York before this. And I feel like the second one is kind of what I see happening in big cities. Like, oh, it's not that important. And my dreams are bigger. So I'm just gonna be a career woman and be like an epic single person, which that's great. But then we just totally disregard this desire in our heart like it's not important and eventually it'll just happen and i'm like no relationships take time to develop and if it's important to you we have to be honest and real about that i've just seen that a lot in especially big cities but i really think you're so spot on with those two specific destructive directions that we go and so i guess like then what is the middle ground there has got to be a middle ground girl so what is that and what would you say and how do we get to that place
0: yeah so We have, you know, in these two camps, we have these two things pulling at us. Like on one side, you know, we're trying to make the most of our lives today. Mm -hmm. We're trying to be present. We're trying to be, I don't know, like learn and grow and do all the things that we're supposed to do today. But then on the other side, you know, we're thinking about our future and we're wanting to prepare for our future. And it feels like those things kind of tug at each other. Like, how could I possibly be preparing for my future when I really should just be thinking about my life today? Mm -hmm. And how can I be thinking about my life today and really investing in that? Like, I should be preparing for my future. It just feels like they're sort of equal and opposite (laughs) and they call it each other. But in my life, after lots of screwing up and, you know, mentors (laughs) really intervening in my life. I got to see that you can do both at the same time. Yeah, Um, It's kind of uh like a ripple effect or killing two birds with one stone. In my life, I got to see that doing one contributes to the other. And mm. it really was being present in my single life and making the most of it mm. and investing in all the ways that I could possibly invest while I was single. It was those things that actually helped me be prepared for marriage. It was actually mm. those things that helped me meet my husband, Carl. And it really, those are the things that have like prepared us for marriage. And so just a couple yeah. examples of that are, you know, we have this idea, I think so many of us want to be in a really good godly marriage. Yeah. And no one really knows what that means or what that looks like. And mm-hmm. I think that the closest we sometimes get is like, okay, you get married and then you do a devotional together sometimes. yeah. But I think it's so much more than that. And yeah. that's what Carl and I have really gotten to see. For me, I think a godly marriage is when two people who really love God decide to Do life together Mm. and love him together. (laughs) And that's something that we can, we have control over half of that Mm. before we even know who our person is. If we want to be a person who really loves God, who connects to a person who really loves God so we can really love him together, we can start really investing in our relationship with God today. That's something that will not only make our lives today so much sweeter and better and more fulfilling and more rich and all the things that God does in our lives when we let him in. Not only do we get that today, but that's the exact thing we should be doing to set ourselves up for a godly marriage in the future. Yes, yes, yes. Another thing is my relationship with myself was, yeah. um, you know, I think identity and insecurity is really hard for a lot of us. And I know it was for me. It felt like my Achilles heel for years. Mm. And I had this relationship before I met my husband, Carl. And in that relationship, it, the guy was awesome. And he really liked me and I really liked him there was just the biggest problem in our relationship actually was that I didn't like me. Mm, I did not so feel yep. like I was yep. worthy of love. I really didn't. And yeah. and so the whole time we're dating, he's telling me, I really like you. You know, I'm like, you know, I love you or I'm so glad we're together. you know, telling me different things he liked about me. And it was like, he would tell me something and immediately my brain in response would go, well, that's not true. Or like, mm-hmm. no, you don't. Mm-hmm. And so he's, pouring love into this hole. And I like have the plug pulled out. So it's just draining through me. So the whole yeah. time he's feeling like he's failing as a boyfriend because he's trying to love me and I don't feel loved. And I feel like he's failing. and like, I'm failing because no matter how much he loves me, I don't feel loved. Mm. And I got to find out that no matter how much someone else loves you, they cannot love you enough to convince you that you're worthy of it. <laughs>
1: wow, um, that's,
0: a, that's a word,
1: girl. Yes.
0: And so after that relationship, I mean, really, that wasn't the whole reason that it fell apart, but it actually really was. Like yeah. it was the, it was the core reason why things just were not working out between mm-hmm. us. Um, and so after that relationship, I made it my mission to really invest in my relationship with myself, mm-hmm. and to really find out what God says about me, and to figure out like where the the gaps were between what God says about me and what I say about me to heal some of the deep insecurities I've been carrying around forever. And that is something that made my life then so much better because when we're walking around the world having our own you know, when we're at odds with ourselves, yes. we can be the most toxic relationship in our lives. Oh, and the hard great. part about yeah. that is we're mm. always with ourselves, like with ourselves every day and go to sleep with ourselves. Like we're living with the most toxic person in our lives. If that's the relationship we have with ourselves, but yeah. the opposite is so much better. You get to live with your best friend and biggest cheerleader when you actually have a good relationship with yourself. Mm. And so that made life then so much sweeter. And then now when Carl says he loves me, I believe him. Yeah. and instead of like looking at him to just fill me up and fill me up, I'm able to receive his love and give it right back. And it's made our, like, if I hadn't worked on that before we got married, that would have been a major problem in our, in our marriage. And so that's just another example of like the way that we can invest in our lives today and how that makes life today so much better. But also that's the exact thing that we should be doing anyway. That's going to set us up really well yes. for marriage literature.
1: I don't know why this is coming to my mind, but I'm picturing like an ice cream sundae. And like when you have a sundae, you know, and then toppings and all the fun things, right? It's like, if you don't have the actual base, which is the ice cream, and you just had all the fun toppings, which make it exciting, which make you like, make it taste better. Like it would just be toppings. And- we have to have the core, which is the ice cream, the foundation. So I feel like what you're saying is like, if love is the foundation of love is the ice cream to like our being, right. Then when someone else like self-love, self-love, loving ourselves, then- When we do receive love from someone else, it's like all these incredible toppings that get to top the already amazing ice cream foundation that we've put into place. Otherwise, if we have no ice cream in the bowl, it's just literal toppings and it means nothing. And it doesn't like, you don't just want to eat those toppings. It won't mean anything to you. So we can't have we can't have love from someone else without first loving ourselves. And I do believe in like that we accept the love we think we deserve. So unless we believe that we are worthy of love, we're never going to be able to really grasp the kind of love that somebody's able to give us. I say so often, like we have to love ourselves so that we don't lose ourselves. Because if we, if we don't love ourselves, then we will get lost in the complexity of relationships, looking to people to fulfill us for something that they're never going to be able to fulfill. So we'll either have too high, Of expectations or we'll not be able to accept that love. Just like you said, like, it won't really mean anything to us because we don't really believe it. It's the same thing when someone tells you an amazing compliment about yourself. I love women, but too often we're like, oh, oh no, like this outfit, like, oh my gosh, it's so old. Or no, I just, I didn't work out all week. Like I look disgusting. You know, our first response says a lot about what our inner dialogue is about ourselves and how we really view ourselves. Like we have to be able to accept compliments, accept gifts of love as gifts and really accept them versus just like deflecting against them. So I think what you're saying, I'm so passionate about it too, Steph, obviously. (laughs) And so it's so important that we get that right. So many women I coach and men, they're like, I want to date. I want to be in a relationship. I'm like, yeah, but like, actually there's all these things that like, You could date right now, totally, but actually you're probably going to fill a void that you really need to work on filling yourself and with God first.